Yo, yo, yo. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I am lovely. It is snowy and beautiful outside. And that's right. I'm talking about the weather, Adam Wathen. Uh, yeah. I saw that tweet and uh, I was like, uh-oh, we're in the crosshairs now. No, no. Actually, you <laughs> and I chatted uh, offline, as they say. And yeah. he was like, no, it's not you. I'm subtweeting <laughs> someone else. <laughs> yeah, I saw he had posted something to that effect in the in the public thread because multiple people brought up us. <laughs> that's the thing about subtweets is everyone thinks it's about them. Yep. Yep. Dangerous. Speaking of tweets, my enterprise tweet thing is still going a little crazy. Man. It's at 750K now, impressions. Dang. Dang. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Really struck a nerve there. Yeah. It was funny. A friend of mine messaged me and said, I have a Twitter account and I don't follow you and I don't follow business people typically, but I just saw your tweet and liked it before I even realized it was you. That's how good at Twitter you are. <laughs> I was like, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Owning that algorithm. It's quite an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. If you get the right thing, it bounces around for a while. It does. It does. So also, I wanted to call out in the opposite sense, call out in the good, a good way, mm-hmm. uh, an experience I had yesterday, which is with uh, YNAB. Do you know this company? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm a, I'm a user. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a customer. It stands for you need a budget. It's budgeting software. And uh, I've been using it for a while now and I like it quite a bit. Uh, but I had this like tricky problem. And the root of it, so they, they do this like auto import of your spending. And there was this thing where like, I have two Chase credit cards, like a Chase Sapphire Preferred and a Chase Sapphire Reserve. And I can't cancel the older one because of credit score and <laughs> yes. shenanigans. Never, can't, never, never close a credit card account. Uh, it's my <laughs> oldest <laughs> card. So like, I don't want to close it, but it, it yeah. has worse benefits than the new card. And like, God, so God, kill me. But anyway, <laughs> um, so the payments, when they hit my bank account, just say like Chase Auto Pay. And they yeah. don't say which card it's going to. Mm. And so why not was getting confused about like, did you pay this credit card? Or did you pay did you pay this credit card? Yep. And it, it was actually kind of like a tricky, subtle problem. And like it's easier to describe it to you like this, but like trying to actually write it out, it's like, wow, this is like hard to explain what's going on. And like the symptoms were kind of weird and confusing. And so I sent them an email and was kind of like just had my doubts about it actually getting resolved. And it was just kind of like, like I'm probably just screaming into the void here. And the response I got, like, they clearly immediately understood what was wrong and, like, were very helpful and very clear and, like, told me how to fix it. Wow. That's amazing. And I was just like, oh, this is so nice to actually get good support on something. Yeah. Was it a technical support person or just seemed to be like a, an ordinary Just a support? normal support person. Wow. Uh, and I have to say, this is consistent with everything I've seen from them. Like, so I think it's Jamie, Jesse, Jesse Meacham, I think is their founder. Mm-hmm. And he has said before that, like, he considers YNAP a an education company that happens to also make software. Yeah, yeah. And just like their online, like their docs and their webinars and their videos and all this stuff, it's just like all like very clearly has so much effort put into it. And just like seeing it carried through to the support level was was pretty awesome. Mm. Yeah, it's a good reminder that we are all providing, and we're in SaaS, you're providing that that final S stands for service, right? <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> And so, but so many of us forget that we think we're building, you know, oh, we're building software and uh, want to, you know, not spend a lot of time on the service component. Yeah, it's true. Well, and also a thing I've just seen uh, a lot, and I think it's hard to avoid is as you get larger and have more customers are like having support kind of go downhill. Yeah. Yeah. When you move past that, like sort of early, like developers or founders doing support and into like someone who's just, who's like only doing support, like it often really goes off track, I think. Even companies that you would expect to do it really well, I've had some pretty bad experiences with. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, it just speaks to scaling is hard in general and getting n number of people on the same page at the same level that maybe you could get achieve with one. I mean, for the longest time, we didn't we didn't scale our supported drip. We had we had Andy, you know, and Andy was like resident expert and was very efficient, very could, you know, took us a long way just handling basically all the support. But, you know, of course, that doesn't scale. Like eventually you have to you have to start adding more. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember hard. talking to Andy, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gee. Back in the day. Yeah. I, I was reading about Ahrefs the other day and about how they're like efficient like they they're doing something like a million dollars per employee or something close to that in ARR but they are thinking about like excluding support from that calculation basically because like they their goal is basically to be 50 people total ever like that that's their cap except they're thinking about excluding support because you kind of have to scale that linearly with customers it seems like even if you are really good at getting like a lot of customers per support person by being very efficient with docs and you know usability and whatnot you still you're still going to have it probably grow linearly with some multiple. Yeah, there's a core equation there of like a certain percentage of customers will be emailing into support and it takes this long to answer them. And if you can process this many tickets per day, there's like a there's an equation there of how many people you need, right? Yep. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm inspired by this, this idea. We've been talking about this internally about like, how much revenue can you do per person? We've been throwing around some things like, I wonder if we could get to this, like X with just the three of us before we hired somebody. I'm not sure if we can, but it, it, it might be possible. We've thrown out some high numbers and, and like some am- ambitious things, and I'm, I'm curious if we could pull it off. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting metric for sure. And I think it makes sense to think about it too, because like you're adding a lot of complexity by adding people. So to not think about the efficiency at the same time feels pretty foolish. It's like, yes, you could definitely do more, but also you're introducing permanent overhead as well. So you know, pay attention to both sides of that equation. In other news, have you ever used Anki? No, I don't think so. So it's um, a uh, spaced repetition tool Okay. Mm-hmm. for basically learning, like installing facts in your brain. So I sing in this chorus and it has a bunch of people in it. And I was like, I'm just sick of not knowing everyone's names. And there's this CMS basically of like all the chorus members with photos. And I hired someone to make me 175 Anki flashcards with photos and names. <laughs> nice. Uh, to just install the names in my brain because I'm, I'm just sick of not knowing it. I love the fact that you're using the term install also. It's <laughs> yes. So nerdy. That's what I'm so thinking great. about it. I'm just like, I'm, I'm annoyed this knowledge is just not here already. So like, let's go. It's actually kind of fun to do it, like to do the flashcards. Like it's, it has this sort of like a little, little dopamine hits when you do remember something or and you sort of like, ooh, like I remember that very easily. Therefore, let me mark this as like easy, which push, like means I won't have to review this card for four days kind of thing. Like it, it lets you kind of to sell it how hard the it was to recall something. Yeah. Interesting. Are you using any kind of mnemonics or anything to like to? Yes, that works yeah. better than anything. Like, yeah. So f- basically, for everybody, I try to come up with some sort of thing. So I've, I learned something weird, which is like the meaner the mnemonic, the better it works. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I try to like pick up on people's like worst attribute and then like make a mnemonic based on that for their name, and like then it actually sticks. And I'm like, oh, I'm such a horrible person. <laughs> It just speaks to the depths of human nature. <laughs> yeah. So, so hopefully, and this is like apparently a pretty well like no like memory technique is like you know picking something like crazy or like like outsized or like there's like all these like kind of the the more you kind of make it an uh, extreme idea, the better it works. But also, like I'm just hoping it doesn't permanently bias me against these people. Just make sure you never utter the mnemonic yes. to the person. I'm not going to tell people what their mnemonic is. <laughs> yeah. It's going to stay in my brain. That stays separate, deep, deep, private. But, so Anki is actually an open source project uh, and it's free and very featureful but it is so an open source project when it comes to like usability and design 
Yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, I've had so many like it's it's almost like some of it is just like so frustrating. It, what is what platform is it? Like is I it a web thing I, or is it? I a, think it's all the platforms. It's like a there's a desktop app. There's a mobile app. Oh wow! Like which is I mean pretty cool. Like for for that to exist for for free is is great. Yeah, it's pretty rare for all that to be open source. Yeah, totally. Like so, props to them for for doing all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, some of these things like this is a that's a button. Okay, I guess that's a button. Why would you put <laughs> this label here? Why why can't I, cl- I click this? It's just, there's a lot of a lot of that. <laughs> that reminded me of this thing I saw floating around on Twitter the other day. It was like an interface for curl or wget one of those like command line thingies it was like written in like vb6 or something and like the the interface the interface is just i mean horrific (laughs) like like and gets shared around as an example of like when you when you know developers build things without thinking about user experience or whatever and like it's pretty amazing the uh the guy who created it has like a whole diatribe on the website about like you may have seen people hating on this and then he kind of goes through like the how this has still provided a ton of value in the community and i've never seen like a a written rebuttal from someone who's whose interface gets criticized and he's like it's still it's it has a lot of utility and it's like well maybe that's that's true to a certain degree you know but yeah uh, i mean you try to make a front end for a thing that's a command line tool that has hundreds of options right right sounds hard Yeah. yeah yeah so other stuff scaling issues appear to have been pretty resolved it looks like awesome yeah so that simple trick of run more app instances per box and have more boxes uh, appears to be working well Uh, we haven't run into the same like uh, symptoms that we were seeing before so it seems like we fixed it which is great also coming back to that remember i talking to you last week about the big company that wants to potentially sign up for tuple and has these kind of crazy requirements and whatnot so I went through their doc of like things that we would have to do. One really big one stood out, which is like SOC 2 mm-hmm. uh, certification. Why? <laughs> it's because, you know, CYA. So I responded to them and I said, so just to make sure it makes sense to keep sort of pushing forward on this, two things. One, there's basically no way we're going to do this. We're not going to get SOC 2 certified. We're a tiny company. We are focused on other things. This is not, we're not going to do this. Also, if you want us to agree to these other ones, we can probably agree to most of them. But we're looking at at least six figures. The response from the person was, okay, cool. Yeah, let me check with IT and procurement and I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. I was like pretty unfazed. And I was yeah. like, Jesus, wow. <laughs> it's just a different it's just a different world. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Enterprise sales is like a whole thing. It's basically my job right now. Like there's like three or four deals that i'm working on right now that are like all companies that we would all have heard of and like have hundreds to thousands of engineers and tons of money and all this it's just like it is a little bit hard to resist the siren call of yeah we could write you a hundred and fifty thousand dollar check that's fine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's in fact not even you know a big deal this is what i do all day every day is write checks of this size yeah yeah i mean do you feel like that's strategically like that's where the bulk of your revenue could eventually come from is from doing higher tier enterprise deals like it's certainly possible. I mean, that seems to be what happens to a lot of companies like ours, yeah. right? Yeah. Is they start off and then they slowly march up market because they're like, wow, there's just so much money here. Right. Um, so. Where I, I wonder know. if like Zoom, you know, Zoom, for example, like I I suspect they're making a ton of most of their money off of higher tier enterprise deals and like the, the kind of plans that we are know about that you can just go to a website and sign up for. That's probably that's probably mostly just marketing for them, right? Like getting people exposed to the product <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not sure that'd be interesting to see yeah you could you could find it out that does kind of appear to be the case for us 
Our biggest customer actually right now did just sign up for like a normal trial and started with, you know, three people or something and then has just grown to hundreds. It could be like just this bottom-up thing kind of works. I talked to Jason Cohen about this like a while back and it happened where it was like they started with like a couple people and they added more and more and then eventually got big enough that like the VP of engineering put it on his credit card and then eventually got big enough that he was like, let me refer you to our procurement person and that procurement person is like, hey, like we should do an annual deal. What's the discount if we buy this many seats, which was a ridiculous number. And I was like, wow, it's it's going right along the path that he said it would. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. It is cool. It's nice that people like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they want to use it. That makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, brains, man. I've been having all the brain stuff, like my, my classic brain stuff. And I think it's like my sleep has been kind of messed up lately. I'm doing this weird, like wake up in the middle of the night thing again. It's so frustrating. It's like in my head, I'll, I'll think like, man, we're really not improving the product lately. And I'm like, no, we've decided that December we're going to focus on stability. And so, and we've been shipping fixes to like, you know, stabilize it and fix crashes and all this stuff. Or like, oh, the product is just not that good. And it's like, no, people are saying it is good. And when they cancel, they say it's for things that are not the product and all this stuff. And it's just, and then like the arrival fallacy. It's like, oh man, once we hit this number, that's going to be cool. Or once I can buy this toy, or once I move into this apartment, it's like, man, all these things. It's just, I'm just so full of all these kind of biases and wrongnesses. And it's like, damn, this is so frustrating. This this thing needs some refactoring. So I, I don't have much to report on this week. But one thing I jotted down that I just had written on a note was like combating a rival fallacy. It just seems like such a terrible thing. I was listening to um, one of Rob's the Tiny Seed Tales podcast recent episode with Craig. And they were talking about, they just were touching on a rival fallacy. And that concept is so depressing to me to think about that like i may achieve things that i'm looking forward to in the future and then be completely unhappy when i get there um yeah <laughs> you know and like <laughs> oh that's so true like it just sounds like a like a never-ending treadmill and i think it i think you can combat it i mean it's something that you can fight back against but it's like it still weighs on my mind of like how do i how do i make sure i prevent that from happening and part of it is probably just really trying to enjoy the journey, right? Like <laughs> enjoying the current state and not be always just looking forward to some eventual state where things will be good, right? Totally. Um, yep. I need that tattooed on my face or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's fine to strive towards those like arrival points, right? Like that give you some goals and structure and whatnot. But yeah, that, that idea that like it's not going to make you happy <laughs> is, you know, freeing and good and also terrible and right. hard to remember. Right. I mean, how do you think about goal setting in light of that? Like, I know there's people like Jason Fried who famously say, I never set goals. I don't set goals because it's really all about the journey for him. And like, do I wake up, wake up in the morning, work on interesting problems and go to bed satisfied at night and repeat? Something sounds really attractive about that. But then I don't know. Part of me also thinks like the the wise thing to do is to plan for the future, set goals, forecast things like basically look ahead. Yeah. I suspect he would agree with the statement that he does look ahead, I think. Like, my guess is that he's not never considering the future and using that to guide his current actions. I guess he wouldn't, you know, write a thing down or say my goal for the quarter is X or whatever. I imagine he's not purely in the moment focused. But yeah, that, that sort of idea of like focus on enjoying the process and the habits that you want to cultivate and all that, that definitely resonates with me. And I could tell you from the other side of like achieving these milestones and goals and whatnot, like they don't move the needle on my happiness. They don't really change it. Like they do for like 12 minutes or like, you know, like I tell my parents like, oh, we like just hit this milestone. They're like, wow, that's so cool. And like, yeah, it is super cool. And then it's like, I can't wait till we get to the one that's 50% higher than that one or whatever. Right, right. 
No, I know. Brains are just so funny because they somehow convince us. I mean, you think about some tantalizing future state and it's like, then things will feel different. And it's like, no, things won't. Things will not feel different. Crossing certain you know, milestones of revenue for the company or personal wealth will enable you to do different things for sure. But none of those things are the source of happiness, right? So, yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Damn, if only. Or maybe I just don't have quite enough. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe it's just I just haven't hit quite the right milestone and mm-hmm. eventually. I'll get yeah, there. That's, the, that's the pitfall, right? It's <laughs> believing that. <laughs> it's just we're just running old software. It's optimized for a world where like you, you kind of do need to always be looking for more food or whatever because otherwise you might die and starve. But like, yeah. The reward system is not, it doesn't align with, with the config variables capitalism are not and set <laughs> for uh, contentment. There's no yeah. contentment threshold. Yeah. Yeah. I think. How do I do this? I need to tweak my config variables. Yeah. It's, I think you use an environment variable for that, like 12 factor, you know. Is the yeah, brain yeah. a 12 factor app? It, it certainly <laughs> is. Yeah. I, I, although I, I really could use a staging environment because. Yeah. Yeah. There's some stuff I want to test, but I'm just, I'm worried I'm going to mess up production. We're like editing code files in production. That's what life is. We're doing is. it live. Yeah, do it live. <laughs> doing it way too live. Uh, I need a sandbox. Yeah. Hmm. It's like those Stripe test keys. You know, I want those for, for life. Yes. Oh, man. Stripe test keys. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I wish that Stripe uh, test credit card number would just work in other forms. 42424242424. I, you know, I know what? I, I've never tested that, but I bet some people have messed that up, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. If they accidentally like, oh, that returns success in test. Therefore, you know, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, I have a uh, two things coming down the pike. Uh, one is I'm going to be on the. Can I say this? I think I can say this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't remember if I said if I could say this. Anyway, I'm going to be on a podcast that's bigish, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I'll double check if I can tell you what it is before I do it. Okay. But All right. Anyway. A big podcast. That was a great little segment right there. <laughs> Riveting Good news. <laughs> and the other, <laughs> this will also be great. Uh, I have a fun thing coming down the pike oh, that I'm working on. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. So that's a great way to wrap up my segment. Oh, man. <laughs> Two extremely vague things that are happening in the future. Well, hopefully next week there's more details. <laughs> hopefully so. Uh, yeah. What's going on with you? I'm heads down right now on... Um, planning my presentation for Zeit's online conference. I think I touched on it last time. By the time this episode airs, this will have been aired and done already. But yeah, just uh, just thinking through like, what what can I say to an audience of front-end developers that would be interesting? And I think where I'm at right now is like, I'm going to kind of tell some stories from my history as a developer and kind of uh, center around the fact that I've been a pretty heavy skeptic of front-end centric development. And so how have I found myself now in a place where I'm building tools for this for this ecosystem and actually kind of coming to embrace it? And so kind of thinking through like what are the things that I value in in a tech stack and in a way, a methodology around building software that's stable and and not super risky and using boring technologies. And how do I how do I make that align with kind of the the flavor of the week kind of JavaScript ecosystem where there's a lot of change, a lot of churn, a lot of innovation. So I think I have some some insights to share around that of how to like how to maintain kind of a, a low risk tech stack and kind of a low risk environment, but also kind of embrace kind of the newer newer paradigms of front end development. Hmm. Nice. 
Yeah, so we were originally thinking of doing an, an AOP thing for that, but it was kind of feeling not quite right when we started actually sitting down and sketching it out. Yeah, talking to the folks there, like they, you know, they were like, "Oh, this I think this would be like a really novel, a novel thing. No one else is doing like a live, a live podcasty type, type presentation." And but yeah, the more we got into it, it's like I don't know. I think I think it's important to to try to stay on point, relevant to this uh, to this audience, and like I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And just having me rant about JavaScript for 40 minutes would be... <laughs> I was like, maybe not. I was like, you guys don't know Ben. Ben hates the front end. <laughs> so. <laughs> Back in life. Yeah. Back in for life. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Someday I might investigate what JavaScript is all about. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, it probably doesn't really matter that much for... Especially in your current context. It's like... Yeah, it, it's... Yes. I think yeah. writing a lot, of, a lot of JavaScript is probably not in my future. Probably not, <laughs> as long as Tuple's no. in your in your on your radar. Mm-hmm. So, yep. man, did you see Andrew Wilkinson? I think is his name. I know who he is, but what did he do? Uh, he had this great Twitter thread about how he's like ten years ago. I was running a business and working twelve hour days and feeling incredibly stressed. And now I own the majority of forty businesses and have minority stakes in eighty more. And uh, I feel way less stressed. I make way fewer decisions because I've hired people and delegated tons and tons of things and i i make way fewer calls on things and i was like that sounds kind of fun yeah 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 i mean that's I mean, sort of what rob's doing now like tiny seed you know yeah gets yeah to, totally. uh, gets to kind of uh be be an advisor and help people out and but not be the one totally like, <laughs> making all the decisions yeah yeah, yeah. I, I love this idea of like moving up the abstraction stack yeah mm-hmm. Thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that that appeals to me a lot uh, and so to me, like, as I think forward into the future, it's like, maybe that's like a, the next kind of chapter of a thing I might want to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it appeals. I actually reached out to him. I DM'd him and said, hey, do you want to come on Art of Product and talk about this? And we'll see what he says. Yeah, that'd be awesome. If you'd like that, maybe tweet at him when you hear this. <laughs> yeah. And encourage him because he hasn't responded yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I mean, it really, it's just like taking the parts the, the knowledge you have, the experience you have, that's that's highest leverage, right? Mo- has the potential for most impact and just like doing more of that and then not doing the stuff that's like repetitive or low value, which is what that kind of feels like op- you're optimizing for. Yes, exactly. So. And it's just also interesting to me to like, to not master, but to get a lot of experience in, in a level of working on a thing like, okay, run a business. And then it's like, well, you need a whole different set of skills to run a portfolio of businesses uh, and it's just i always find that kind of thing really interesting like what's it like to go up up a level or or even down a level but just like just change where you're at in the stack basically so that could be a fun future life situation when you Who achieve knows? that ben then you will be happy finally <laughs> we, we solved that's it. truly that's got to be what it is we solved it that is that's definitely what i'm missing yep yeah once i have 40 businesses so just so just have like a terrible time grinding it out for the next 20 years. And then eventually you'll have 40 businesses and you'll be like, oh, I'm, ha- I'm suddenly happy. Finally, I will have arrived. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think I just need 50% more everything and then I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Once I get to 50% more of what I got, then everything will be wonderful. I'm going to have to introduce you to the concept of an asymptote after this uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, nothing. <laughs> Sounds boring. <laughs> Oh, man. Put the ass in asymptote. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, should we just wrap it here? Yeah, I think let's uh, let's wrap it. All right. Notes of the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. <laughs>